Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the week 16 edition of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast, the flagship edition, where we talk through all of Sunday's main slate games. I'm Drew Dinkmeyer in the host chair once again. And this week, I'm joined by Chris Pacheco. No Ricky Sanders. We've kicked him to the curb uh, for the start of the holiday season. Chris, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Uh, Drew, thanks for asking. Uh, my birthday was on Tuesday. Had a great one. Uh, I'm I'm officially 29, so uh, knocking on, on oh 30, God. knocking on that 30 you, door. Um, you young, you youngins. <laughs> but uh, but no, but I'm doing great. It's been a great week uh, thus far, and I'm actually excited to talk week 16. I was on the pod on the GPP pod yesterday with uh, Davis Matic, uh, and we had a great time. So I'm looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, you're doing the rounds on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football uh, Network this this week. All right, if you're unfamiliar with us, the way we'll roll through this is we'll talk about just the games on Sunday's main slate. Usually that means we're excluding Thursday night from the conversation and Monday night from the conversation. This week it means we're excluding uh, Saturday from the conversation. So if you want Saturday slate breakdowns, make sure to subscribe over at DailyRoto.com. We will have a separate Saturday slate um, breakdown in written form. No podcast on that one podcast will we'll cover uh, Sunday's main slate once again for the premium subscribers. For this free flagship edition, we will go game by game. I will talk through some of the injury situations that we're monitoring. Uh, Chris will give some DFS thoughts and analysis, and I will do the same, and we'll keep it moving because these slates are huge late in the season with no bye week. So we'll start left to right in the Daily Roto Optimizer with how the games are listed. And the first game is Jacksonville traveling to Atlanta here. In terms of injury news and information on Atlanta's side, Julio Jones was limited to practice on Wednesday. That's kind of a normal thing for Julio at this point in the season, so I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Um, in Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew uh, with a shoulder injury was on the uh, injury report, but it sounds like he'll be fine. DJ Shark was able to do a little bit with the ankle injury, so we'll see if he returns this week. That'll obviously have a big impact uh, because Atlanta is a team that you'd like to target defensively in Jacksonville. We did see Chris Conley uh, have that week that Ricky guaranteed on the podcast uh, in this space last week. So those are the big injury situations, Chris, from a DFS perspective. We don't have to worry about weather or anything like that with Atlanta playing in a dome. Uh, does this game have your attention? Uh, yeah, it, it, it certainly does. Atlanta has a team total approaching 27 uh, on this one. 
Uh, Jacksonville's defense has been uh, pretty porous uh, here uh, this season, so I, I'm you know comfortable attacking them whether it's it's in the air or on the ground. Uh, I think you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones uh, as a as a little mini stack uh, works if you wanted to just play you know Devonta Freeman for 6K on, on DraftKings. I think that's another way uh, of attack of attacking this. Uh, Davis mentioned yesterday Russell Gage as a potential uh, GPP option for for a little value. I think that one makes sense. So most of these plays uh, are going to come from the Atlanta side because they're at home. They have that bigger total. Uh, But obviously on the Jacksonville side, you also have Leonard Fournette, who is uh, 7,200 on DraftKings this week, Drew. And and as far as volume is concerned, uh, he's one of those backs that can pretty much do it all. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has had all the volume in the world. I think one of the challenges is late in the season, uh, as guys, you know, limp to the finish line with kind of their bodies getting through an NFL season and as teams that are out of contention, one of the concerns that you have is will, will the volume, uh, subside? Will it, uh, regress kind of over the last few weeks of the season? And so far with Leonard Fournette, we really haven't seen that. He played 96.5% of snaps in week 15. Uh, continues to play, you know, routinely 85 plus percent of snaps and get all the, the targets and the carries. I think there's a little bit of concern that just at some point they decide, you know, enough's enough with the season in terms of putting more miles on his body, but we haven't seen it so far, so you, it's hard to project it. Uh, in terms of game stacks, I think this game is interesting. I certainly want to see, you know, how the health of the Jacksonville wide receiver core shakes out, but I really do, you know, think Matt Ryan to Julio Jones is going to be back in play. I think it will be, it will come with ownership after last week's uh, two touchdown performance from Julio. I think uh, Austin Hooper is a guy that might fly a little bit more under the radar this week. The price tag is back down, 4,400 on DraftKings, uh, 6,000 on FanDuel. I think those price tags are a little bit more amenable. I do like Devonta Freeman, but I like him a little bit more on FanDuel, honestly, than DraftKings. Just 6,200 on FanDuel is a little bit cheaper relative to other running backs uh, than 6,000 on DraftKings. I think he's played on both, um, but he's a guy that you know towards the end of the season you just want to monitor usage and whatnot, and not the highest of upside guys. Although in this matchup against Jacksonville, we've seen players routinely find their upsides. Um, so I think this game can be stacked mostly on the Atlanta side with a bring back from Jacksonville, and that bring back from Jacksonville, you know, Fournette is probably the guy that'll come most often, and we've seen him be able to get his work in um, unfavorable game scripts because he gets so many checkdowns, and then we'll see the health of the wide receiver core, whether, you know, that includes DJ Shark or not, and how that will uh, kind of impact projections this week. Let's move it over to Miami, where the Dolphins are home favorites against Cincinnati uh, in terms of Injury issues. There were six players for the Dolphins limited on Wednesday. Devontae Parker, Alan Hearns, and Albert Wilson were all a part of that group. Um, nothing to be too concerned about. I think in general at this stage of the season, if guys are getting in limited practices on Wednesday, they're probably pretty likely to play. From the Bengal side of it, um, it, it there were some notes that A.J. Green might be interested in playing last week, but he kind of put that to bed uh, this week that, you know, he's not going to come back this season. So uh, no new injuries for, from Cincinnati's perspective. You know, this game in Miami, usually we think Miami late in the season, there's no weather concerns, you know, especially compared to the rest of the league. But it looks like it's going to be windy in Florida this week. Um, and there's there's some chance of rain. Uh, our early forecast has, you know, winds in the in the 15 to 20 mile per hour range, which is certainly something you have to consider. Uh, this is a game that if we had perfect conditions, I'll be honest, this is a game that would be very, very interesting to me uh, from from a DFS perspective. But I think we're going to have to monitor that wind and that weather uh, because these are, you know, these are two teams that uh, need fairly good conditions for their offenses to operate at their best. 
yeah, that that does make a lot of sense, Drew. Uh, but if you are just looking at the Vegas impacts here, Miami has a team total of 25 uh, in this one. So perhaps Vegas isn't too worried about that win factor. Uh, it is a very good matchup pretty much for, for both teams here. But Miami specifically at home with the bigger total of, of 25, as I mentioned, uh, I think it's very intriguing, Drew, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, who uh, I was surprised to see that he leads the Dolphins in rushing uh, this season. I mean, that's that's just kind of bizarre because Fitzpatrick is not typically a guy that's that's going to run and, you know, run a, like a lot like this. Um, but he's he's their guy and he's 6K on DraftKings, uh, which I think makes him, you know, very interesting. 74 on 7400 on FanDuel is certainly perhaps a little bit more appropriate, but I, I think he's in play on both. Uh, I, I kind of like him as a GPP target uh, this week. And obviously, you know, the, the most common bring back option there with with Fitz uh, would be, you know, Devontae Parker, uh, his teammate, uh, who's a, a little bit pricey. Um, but I, I, I like him as well, Drew. You could play you probably could play Gasecki as well, uh, who is, I believe, thirty six hundred on DraftKings. Um, so there are there are you know multiple ways to attack the Cincinnati defense. I, I think it's mostly going to be, you know, quarterback and receiver um, because the Dolphins running back situation is is really dire. So I would I would approach it that way. Um, so, Drew, that's the Miami side. And, and obviously it's, you know, looks to be uh, the, the better side of this game with them having a little bit of a higher total and being at home. But uh, on the Cincinnati side, where are you looking to attack? Well, I think the first name that everybody's going to think of with Cincinnati after the last few weeks is Joe Mixon, who has just been handed the ball a ton. And obviously we've seen running backs have really successful days against Miami uh, all throughout the season, but especially last week with Saquon Barkley. So I think Mixon is certainly going to be in play. The key with Mixon, as it has been kind of all season long, is just how much of the receiving volume will he get? And ultimately that kind of dictates how good you feel about using him in cash games. Because obviously... You mentioned, Chris, Cincinnati doesn't have a high implied total here, just under you know, 22. They're not a team that's going to generate consistent offense. And for a running back, if you're not generating consistent touchdown uh, opportunities, it's really hard to have a good floor unless you're getting receiving volume. Now, th- the last three weeks, he's received four, four, and three targets. So that's okay. It's not great, but it's at least something. The thing that's been holding him up is the volume in carries, you know, 25, 23, 19, 18, 15, 30 uh, over the last six weeks. So I think Mixon is certainly important. A guy that I wanted, that I had my eye on, that I've been kind of stashing away in season long the last few weeks for this spot was John Ross. But his snaps actually came down dramatically last week, just down to 38% of snaps after playing 50% in week 14. So I'm a little bit concerned there. Obviously, no Auden Tate. He's been lost for the season. So I think Tyler Boyd is certainly going to be a fine play. Um, I like this Cincinnati offense, but I'm not sure I like it enough that I will be stacking the Cincinnati side. But I like this game if the weather holds up okay, because I like that you can make Fitzpatrick stacks, either single or double, because he does have some rushing equity. And you can bring it back with someone like Mixon or Boyd. And in a pinch, I think you can do it with John Ross and just kind of hope he hits a big play. But the decreased snap percentage last week was certainly a concern. So for, for you, Alec, Alex Erickson is is not really. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, he ha- like he has you know one or two games a year, I guess, when he gets these opportunities where he can go for like 
you know, five for 80 or whatever. And I guess on DraftKings, he's 3,300. So on yeah. DraftKings, yeah, I, I was looking at FanDuel pricing where he's like the same as John Ross and you need touchdowns and whatnot. But on DraftKings at 3,300, yeah, I think he's certainly in play at that price tag. Um, I still think I'd, I'd play, uh, I don't know. It depends on how much value opens up. But yeah, he's right. certainly in play. I mean, he's been playing a ton of snaps. Uh, the last two weeks, 75% and 80% of snaps. So the volume's certainly been there. He's on the field quite a bit. So I think on DraftKings, yeah, he's, he's a fine source of style relief. Let's, um, let's kick it over to Carolina visiting Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts here are, you know, touchdown favorites at home. In terms of injury news and notes, I think the big thing here for Carolina is, you know, they're done with Kyle Allen. They're gonna hand the reins over to Will Greer. And I think, um, you know, Will Greer is someone that, you know, when I, when I finish up the injury stuff, Chris, you can talk a little bit more about, but someone that I think from a, from coming out of college, we were all kind of excited about, mm-hmm. but was so bad in preseason that you now have to be a little bit concerned about Carolina's offense on the whole. Their implied totals below 20. In terms of other injury information, uh, Greg Olson practiced in full. He's been cleared from concussion protocol. So I think like last week he was practicing, but he didn't get cleared. This week he was cleared and now he's practicing in full. So I think he's going to be back. Um, in terms of other skill position uh, injuries, there's not really much on the Colts side. Colts have a huge implied total here at 26, so I think there's going to be some plays for them. But let's start with Will Greer, Chris, because you handle all of our college football projections along with Chris Kay. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he was the guy that really pushed the ball down the field, really took shots at West Virginia, yeah. and I think people were excited about that kind of profile coming into the pro game. But obviously, he hasn't been able to surpass Kyle Allen until now. And Kyle Allen hasn't really been playing great. And Greer was awful in the preseason. He was really, really bad in the preseason. So he's 4,300 on DraftKings. That price tag alone is going to garner some interest. Um, and I think with his skill position talent around him, it's possible that he can like complete like a seven yard slant and DJ Moore take it to the house mm-hmm. or a dump off to Christian McCaffrey and McCaffrey make it a big play that I think he's still going to be worth playing. But I don't think we should assume that he's better than Kyle Allen. Yeah, that's. I, I think that is a, a sharp uh, assumption, and it's something that me and, and Davis Maddox, uh, Davis Maddox, uh, talked about yesterday on on the TPP pod, uh, because Davis believes that that you know he's someone that that should be potentially considering cash games, given all the just all the other skill players that you can fit uh, alongside him, uh, Drew. Which I, I understand it from that perspective, from a projection standpoint. You know, he's not even cracking 15 drafting points, so you're really going to need the other skill players to have big games. And you know, as far as his profile is concerned, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, you know, two really big years uh, in, in the West Virginia offense uh, coming out of college. Uh, three for 34 and 37 touchdowns, respectively, in his last two seasons. There was a lot of hype around him. Uh, the challenge is he's starting a game in week 16. Uh, you, you are concerned about the, the reps that he's had in this offense. He really hasn't had any uh, since the preseason. And I, and I do think that that's a legitimate concern uh, coming into this week. Uh, and so I, I realize the price tag is good. I realize that the college profile is, is pretty damn good as well. Uh, I just don't think this is a primary play for me uh, this week. Um, total of 20. Uh, so, and it's, it's a road game as well. Like, there's just not enough there for me to be interested outside of the price tag. So maybe you end up taking some shots there in, in GPPs. Obviously, his skill players are pretty damn good and, and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, he he has a skilled players there, um, but I, but I am a little bit concerned uh, about him. Yeah, this week. 
Yeah, it's it's a tricky spot. I, I'm interested to see where ownership comes in. Um, there's just always been a lot of success with cheap quarterbacks because the quarterback range of outcomes, mm-hmm. you know, the is pretty narrow. Um, most guys have similar levels of attempts and opportunities, and obviously there's differences in efficiency. But ultimately, like it's really hard for quarterbacks to separate from one another. I'm, so I'm when sorry, they're really uh, cheap, I'm sorry to, to cut you off, Drew. <laughs> there was something else that I also wanted to mention, which is the um, his rushing equity. Like he, yeah. he really wasn't a guy that did anything yeah. on the ground in college. And like I'm, I'm also not expecting him to do anything on the ground at the NFL level. Yeah. So he can't give you that either. It's, it's mostly just uh, on the passing attempts. Yeah. The interesting thing for me will be that the profile of a guy that's really willing to push the ball down the field at the NFL level is also going to be one that's going to be a little bit more boom or bust in terms of the production. And what we've seen with Kyle Allen with so many dump offs to Christian McCaffrey. That yes, their offense wasn't super efficient in terms of scoring points, but they had a lot of fantasy points because it, he was willing to take kind of the cheaper reception value. And if Will Greer is not willing to do that, it could make this offense very boomer busty. Um, I'm interested to see where ownership comes in because I think that'll ultimately kind of dictate. Uh, but you know, Daily Road premium subscribers on on Saturday, I'll have more thoughts on that. Um, in terms of the Colts side of the ball, you know, there's pretty decent price tags as there usually are on, on teams that have those primetime games. T.Y. Hilton is just 6,400. Um, he came back and saw a pretty healthy percentage of the targets and was actually playing kind of deep into that fourth quarter when it was a blowout. I thought those were good signs, but it was also just a 51% snap rate. Yeah. Um, I think what you'll see, like what you can often see with these guys it, that are like, clearly the number ones in their offense even when the snaps are down you can still see normal target shares because they'll just make sure to like take them off the field on running downs and different things like that um so i think hilton is in play at 6400 i think jack doyle at 4500 is viable Brissett at 5900 is viable um obviously we've seen carolina just get decimated on the ground so i'm interested to see how much people get behind marlon mack because this has been like the prototypical Mar- like Marlon Mack spot. Big home favorite. Yes, he doesn't catch passes, but against a run defense that's really struggled and been beat up. Um, he's interesting to me, but it really depends on ownership. Because 6200 is not a great price tag on him. Right. Um, if he's owned heavily, I probably will be out on it. Just because he's not a, he doesn't have a lot of paths to success outside of touchdowns. Um, but if he's not owned, then I'm going to be in quite a bit. I think he's got a volatile performance profile, but a really good matchup. I would think he's, given his profile, that sounds like more of a a FanDuel play, uh, given the fact yeah. that he doesn't really have any right any any sort of uh, catch equity there. Um, yeah, he will be more utilized on FanDuel. Seventy three hundred, yeah. the tag I think is comparable to what it is on DraftKings at sixty two hundred relative to the field. So very interested to see where ownership checks in there. Let's move it over to uh, New Orleans visiting Tennessee. The Saints are two and a half point favorites. In terms of injury uh, situations here on the offensive side of the ball, the Saints really don't have any. They have you know a few defensive injuries that look like they're more uh, bumps and bruises than like long term things. So I think they're going to be pretty healthy. For the Titans, uh, Adoree Jackson, Derrick Henry, Corey Davis were all limited while Adam Humphrey still did not practice with that ankle injury. I think just in general, Derrick Henry didn't practice at all last week. So a limited practice on Wednesday is a great sign sure. uh, for his health and availability. And Adoree Jackson kind of getting back in the mix is also pretty important there. Uh, from a DFS perspective, Chris, this has one of the highest totals on the board, as Tennessee games have over the last few weeks with their offense kind of chug- chugging along. 50 and a half. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not the Superdome. 
we haven't seen Drew Brees in the New Orleans offense out in the conditions very often this season because they play a lot of dome games, both at home and then having Atlanta in their division as well. Um, are you concerned at all about this New Orleans offense in the conditions uh, in Tennessee, which the conditions are going to be like low 50s and no wind. So it's not really conditions per se. But do you have any concerns here about New Orleans offense going on the road? I, I do not. Uh, I, I would think that if there was a major concern, the Vegas total would kind of take that into account. And, you know, at like almost 27, it doesn't seem like th- that big of a deal. So I'm, I am personally uh, not concerned. I, I think the, the thing I'm like mostly bummed about here, Drew, is like on the Tennessee side, I feel like I just missed everything. You know, like they've obviously been clicking on all cylinders on offense. Um, Derrick Henry's having just a monster year. Uh, A.J. Brown has really emerged for them as a receiving Mm -hmm. threat. Ryan Tannehill obviously looks completely different than in his days in Miami. Um, And and he's, I think Tannehill's the one guy, uh, you know, given the price tag and everything, that that is still very much in play. But, you know, I'm looking at A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry now and their price tags and, like, they're very, very appropriate. And, and it's something that's bumming me out because I wish I, I wish the price tags were a little bit better, um, but they're not. And so if, if you're playing the projections, they don't look all that valuable. doesn't mean they're not playable, um, but to me, it's just, it doesn't look like a very valuable um, situation uh, for them at home against New Orleans. Um, it's probably mostly on the New Orleans side where you have Alvin Kamara at 7,500 and He's obviously had a very difficult season. Um, the touchdown regression for him has been very real. I believe he's he only has two touchdowns, and both of them came in one game uh, earlier this year against uh, Seattle. Um, so, Drew, what are you doing there? Because he has the second biggest projection at running back for us uh, this week, and and I'm sure you know you you might have some thoughts there. Yeah, so first let me start with Tennessee's side before we get into New Orleans. I think this is an interesting matchup for Tennessee and a difficult one for DFSers because I think you'll see a lot of Marshawn Lattimore with A.J. Brown. And so, you know, Corey Davis is really cheap and he comes with no ownership week in and week out. He's been extremely disappointing. Uh, he was a pl- prospect that I loved when he came out of believe it was Western Michigan, yeah. uh, one of those kind of smaller schools where he was just dominant from the moment he set uh, his feet on the field as a freshman. And so I really thought he was going to be a, a really high-end NFL wide receiver. He has not been anywhere near that um, and clearly was surpassed by A.J. Brown this season. I think he's probably the most interesting play, him and Jonu. But obviously A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are so good at breaking off really big plays that they can get theirs in like a play or two. The price tags are pretty tough for that to happen now, um, so I'm less likely to play it, and that makes this game harder for me on the whole. Now, Kamara is the most interesting piece of this game for me. Um, him and Michael Thomas, I think you can play aggressively. I don't think this is a game I'm going to end up game stacking because I really just don't feel good enough about the Tennessee side relative to their current price points. But Kamara, let's, let's t- talk about him a little bit. Um, he's averaging, you know, the same amount of touches per game. I shouldn't say touches. I should say opportunities, uh, targets plus carries per game as he did last season. He's been similarly efficient running the ball last year. He was at 4.6 yards per attempt. This year he's at 4.5 yards per attempt, uh, on, on the carry side, but he's been wildly less efficient receiving. Um, his yards per target has dropped aggressively and his yards per reception has dropped by over two yards. You throw that 
drop in efficiency alongside the lack of touchdowns. And it's really, it's an interesting thing because it's, on, on the one hand, it's not for a lack of opportunity when you think about, um, you know, the total number of opportunities he's getting per game. But as a percentage of how the Saints offense has been in the red zone, it has declined compared to last year because Taysom Hill is getting more opportunities. And just in general, they're throwing the ball more in the red zone than they did in previous years. Um, I, I forget who, who posted this stat on Twitter and I, I hate when I can't credit it. Um, but there was something that floated around earlier this week that basically suggested that, you know, this year the Saints have run the fewest, uh, rush attempts from inside their opponent's five yard line of any team in the league. I think the second team, uh, alongside them or the only team close to them was Tennessee, at, which is ironic given Derrick Henry has so many rushing touchdowns. Um, and the previous two years they were like first and second in the league in those opportunities. So, it's tricky. If you look at red zone opportunities uh, on the whole, Kamara has 33 through 12 games. So, you know, he's still getting like three chances inside the red zone a week. He's just not getting those chances inside the five quite as frequently. I think the touchdowns will regress over time. I think, you know, I said this on our on our premium NBA podcast uh, yesterday, but in general, when the field is like worn out by playing a guy who's just underperformed consistently, and the opportunities are still there and they're still projecting well and the price is coming down. And that means the ownership is probably coming down too because the field's getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. Those are the plays you should in DFS be excited to play because you've got so many things working in your favor. You've got lower ownership. You've got lower price tags. Um, and, and so I'm going to still play a lot of Alvin Kamara. Um, I don't think I'm going to play Kamara and Thomas together. In lineups, uh, this week, cause I'm not gonna stack, I don't think I'm gonna stack the Saint side of things, is like my early indication. Um, we'll see how the week goes on if I, if I get more enthusiastic about that game as a whole, but for me right now, it's a little bit harder to bring stuff back with Tennessee, and so I'll probably be playing a lot of Kamara and a lot of Thomas individually. But Drew, what about this angle? What if Kamara is still ailing from the high ankle sprain? Cause that, that is something that, uh, is out there as well. And yep. it just doesn't seem to have that burst. And so what if that is what's causing the, the potential lack of production? Cer- certainly could be it. Um, in general, it's, you know, in general efficiency, like you could just, you could negative boost in the opto and different things like that. But in general efficiency is, you know, it's highly variant. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to say. He hasn't been on the injury report. So it's like these things where it's like, okay, what, you know, maybe, maybe that's the case, but will we ever know? I doubt it. Probably not. You know, if he's not on the injury report, if he's not talking about it, we probably won't know. Um, does he look less explosive? Yeah, sure. Um, but he also looked like he was completely, uh, impossible to tackle when he first got into the league. And everybody was like, oh, him and Kareem Hunt are like the best players we've ever seen and they're not going to regress. And guys regress. They in, they regress, you know, towards kind of more normal averages. And so I still think there's hope for Kamara. I'm still going to be playing him. I understand the concerns. Uh, everybody else can have their concerns and lower the ownership for me, and I'll take it. Uh, let's move on to the Giants in Washington. Uh, Washington favored here at home. In terms of injury issues, 
Uh, it sounds like Daniel Jones is going to return for the Giants. We'll see if that's the case, but he returned uh, to practice this week from that ankle injury. I think it would make sense that they'd want Eli to kind of go out on a home win. Like, I, I just think that makes sense. Um, and, you know, it's important that Eli uh, finishes his career exactly at 500 with as many wins and losses uh, so he can pad that Hall of Fame resume that everybody's excited about. From Washington's side, um, Dwayne Haskins and Adrian Peterson were full participants at practice. Uh, I don't think there's a huge amount of injuries there. From a DFS perspective, you know, I've always said, like, these games with bad teams, I'm kind of interested in. Uh, it's got a pretty low total here, so I don't think people are going to play it. Are you going to play it, Chris? Uh, yes, I am interested, but the pool of players, it's like, it's very condensed, uh, to, to be quite honest with you. And, and it's mostly on the Washington side. Uh, Adrian Peterson being one of those plays. Uh, he is 5K on DraftKings. He played 60% of snaps uh, last week. Um, I'm interested there. I'm interested in Terry McLaurin uh, as well on the receiving side. And that's pretty much it on the Washington side. I, I really I don't want to consider um, pretty much anyone else. I guess the the only other play that I think is, is pretty interesting uh, in this game is Saquon Barkley. Uh, on, on the other side, the, the thing is he's he's pricey uh, on both sites, um, and running back does have a, a little bit of opportunity cost. So, like, I, I don't think he's he's certainly a must by any means, but I think he's he's uh, he's in play in tournaments, and that's that's pretty much it. It's a, it's a few players, and I don't really have any interest in, in anyone else. I actually am kind of interested in this game, but I'm having a hard time figuring out if I am interested enough to stack it. It is such a low total that it feels really dirty to even consider it. But with Daniel Jones back for the Giants, he's got a little bit of rushing upside to him. He's relatively affordable. The challenge for me is... I don't like Haskins enough, and I kind of like the Washington skill players, and I don't like the price tag on the Giants skill players enough, and I kind of like Daniel Jones. So just the pieces aren't really fitting for me, but I think I think you could stack this game at really low ownership if you wanted. Um, one other name I'll throw out there for Washington that will be in my player pool as well is Steven Sims Jr., who... They, you know, they clearly view him as a playmaker because early in the season, when they had Trey Quinn, when they had Paul Richardson, they were getting him on the field and like he had a game where he had a bunch of carries and they were kind of using him that way. Like they just want to get the ball in his hands. And he played 69% of snaps last week, but he ran a route on every single one of uh, Dwayne Haskins dropbacks. So he's a guy that is going to be out there running routes. Um, with McLaurin kind of stretching the field, he's got the underneath. I think he's viable, too. I like McLaurin quite a bit. I think McLaurin's one of my, like, relative, if, if, if everybody had the same quarterback relative to the secondary that he's playing against, I think McLaurin would be one of my favorite plays on the entire slate. The lack of confidence in Dwayne Haskins is the reason that he can't be that. Um, but Haskins is only 4,700 on DraftKings. McLaurin's 6,200. Sims is 4K. Like, I could kind of see some dirty stacks here. Um, it's just, will they throw the ball enough? You mentioned like AP, who's really cheap at 5,000. The most uh, popular play to get through into the draft fan, uh, best ball championships, which just makes me feel like total nihilist Arby's, like nothing matters if Adrian Peterson is the most popular guy in the finals. Um, but yeah, I, I like this game a lot more than this total. The total is the reason it's going to kind of keep me in check in terms of my overall exposure, but I think I will have lots of pieces of this game in general. Um, the next game 
Baltimore traveling to Cleveland. The the Ravens are 10-point favorites here. This is an opportunity for the Ravens to clinch home field advantage throughout the postseason, and they're really, really healthy. They they have, like, nobody on the injury report. Um, so it's a road game, but they're 10-point favorites. On Cleveland's side, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and, and Jarvis Landry both had uh, limited practices on Wednesday. That's kind of been the same thing. They were questionable last week. I don't – I like – I, I – I don't know what to do with Cleveland anymore after after last week after not doing anything in Arizona. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Chris. How are you? How are you handling this game? Well, I guess we'll just we'll go with Cleveland first, um, and I'll tell you how I'll handle it. Uh, it's it's likely going to be I'm not playing anyone from from that team. Uh, total under twenty. They've been a mess all season. I, I mean, what are like. What are the chances that all of a sudden they just put it together here in Week 16 um, against a good defense? It's not a great defense, but I, th- I think it's a good defense. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like. I don't think I could go to this well anymore. Um, I'll probably have some Jarvis Landry at 6K on DraftKings. I'll probably have. I'm. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to mess around with Odell on the outside, but yeah. the Ravens are a little bit more vulnerable in the slot, so maybe some Jarvis Landry, but not a lot. And I, I honestly don't even know how to play the Baltimore side other than Lamar. And obviously Lamar is great, but very difficult to stack. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, you know, this is a conversation that me and Davis were having yesterday. And, and uh, even Leone had chimed in as well. Like Baker Mayfield and, and, and this just horrific uh, uh, season that he's having. Um, I, I just I'm not I'm not buying into it. Like, I, I don't think that he's this bad. There is just no way um, that he's this bad. Unfortunately, uh, Drew, it's been a lot of tough matchups uh, as well for for Cleveland. Like they, I feel like they've only had one pretty good matchup this year, and it was that Miami game. Um, so that that's certainly not helping. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he rebounds because he's still too young um, for for him to continue to have these pedestrian seasons. Uh, on the Baltimore side, I think it's I think it's Lamar, as you mentioned. It's it's hard to stack, um, but you know, if, if I'm just going to play him as a one-off, I, I think it's fine. Um, Mark Ingram, I think, works. Uh, though I don't know. I'm pretty sure you would just play one or the other. I don't think I would play both of them together, um, Lamar and, and, and Ingram. Yeah. And Ingram is almost 7K uh, on DraftKings. So, like, I'm not I'm not too excited uh, to deploy him. You did mention this is, this is a really big week for Baltimore. And if they do win and, and clinch and whatnot – I would expect for for you know someone like Lamar to take off next week. So it's it's not like I'm not expecting them to to take a week off here. I'm I'm expecting them to play the regulars and and play hard. And so I am interested. I just as you mentioned, it's kind of difficult to to stack with Lamar. Yeah, I I think this is a game that like oddly I'm kind of not in on. Um, I you know I didn't see a lot from Cleveland last week. I don't expect them to do it against a Baltimore team that has every motivation in the world to just get a week 17 off. You know, all those starters are probably like, Hey, let's, let's finish things mm-hmm. and let's get ourselves two weeks to get our bodies right before we have to play a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on FanDuel, Mark Ingram's price tag is a little bit more reasonable at 7,600. So you can certainly play him there. You could consider playing some naked Lamar. Um, but I probably won't. I probably won't play that much. Mm-hmm. I, I, and you know, Lamar's been, a guy that I've tried to play all season long. It's been tough to, to figure out what to do with stacking, but 
I probably won't play a ton. Uh, obviously, if you are playing Lamar, I think at these price tags, you should certainly consider stacking with at least one. And I think, you know, it's still, it's still Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown as the lead guys. Uh, let's move over to Steelers traveling to the Jets. Steelers slight, uh, slight favorites here. Juju Smith-Schuster limited in practice. Uh, James Conner no longer on the injury report. And Vance McDonald logged a full practice uh, after missing last week's game with a concussion. So it sounds like the Steelers are pretty healthy. For the Jets, Demarius Thomas missed practice. He missed last week's game. And I... You know, I don't see a lot of reason for him to push it at this time of the year, given, you know, the injury that was coming off of last year. So I don't expect him to play, which just means a little bit more Vincent Smith, but more than anything, just more condensed passing opportunities for Robbie Anderson, James and Crowder. This is another one of these games, just a 37 total, Chris, doesn't seem to have a lot of DFS appeal from, uh, you know, from early uh, looks. What are you thinking here? Yeah, well, what I'm thinking is I don't really want to have much exposure to, to either team, um, to be quite honest with you. Le'Veon Bell is down to 5,800 on DraftKings. Um, like, I would think if you're running a lot of lineups, you know, having at least a sprinkle there would, would make a lot of sense. Um, that's pretty, I mean, that's probably the, the best play here, but the Jets have a 17 total at home. I mean, my goodness, like that's that's really horrific. So uh, c- certainly tempering my expectations, even with someone like Bell, um, you know, maybe Deontay Johnson um, on the Pittsburgh side receiver 4,700. Like maybe I could do that. Um, but that's it, Drew. I, I really don't have many takes here. It's it's looking to be a pretty ugly game. This is a game that I wouldn't mind Xing out. Um, Lev is fine at 5,800, but I, you know, getting a ceiling game against, uh, I mean, I guess you could say revenge game narrative. Maybe Adam Gase will just like funnel a bunch of passes to him. Um, and on DraftKings, like you can have a ceiling game without being very efficient because you can just, you know, rack up catches. Um, but I, I probably won't play a lot here. I'll, I'll have some Lev. Um, if Juju plays, that certainly lowers the upside on Deontay Johnson and James Washington, and I really don't trust Duck Hodges enough to to be excited there. Um, James Conner's fairly expensive, even though he's off the injury report. They just seem to be mixing in enough guys, so not a game I'm super interested in. Uh, moving to another game that I'm not super interested in. Uh, Detroit visits Denver. Detroit with just a 16 implied total here in terms of injury situations. We have to see with Detroit what they do with Carrion Johnson. Um, you know, he's, he's available to come off the injured list this week. We'll see if, if they activate him. Um, Bo Scarborough was limited to practice on Wednesday. I think that's a good sign for his availability this week. Obviously, um, we saw last week their running back situation was very messy, but you know, anyone off the street can run in one yard touchdowns. And that's what Wes Hills was able to do. I think with two of them last week, um, the Denver side of the ball in terms of injuries, there's not a ton there. Noah Font was limited with a shoulder issue that he's dealing with. Um, but from a DFS perspective, man, I, I can't play any of the Detroit guys. Like Galladay's not getting any volume there. Amendola like was fine in controlled conditions against Tampa Bay when he's cheap, but he's almost a thousand dollars more expensive now going into Denver. Um, Denver's offense, I'm not excited by. Like Philip Lindsay is okay, yeah, but not getting enough work in the passing game to really build a solid floor there, and just an offense that's not consistent in moving the ball. I think Cortland Sutton has some GPP appeal for sure. Both him and Noah Font would be interesting just because we saw Detroit just give it up over and over to Tampa Bay. But uh, not a stack-worthy game for me. 
No, I don't think it's a stack-worthy game for me either, but I am interested in Noah Fant uh, quite a bit. 3,700 on DraftKings. Uh, tight end this week is, is just littered with either okay values or negative values. Uh, Fant is one of them that is like neutral uh, at 3,700. Uh, really big athletic tight end has big upside uh, in this really good matchup uh, against Detroit. So he he would be one of my like I guess primary plays in this game, and, and there's really not a lot of them. Drew, I, I did want to mention um, going very quickly to that Pittsburgh uh, Jets game. Uh, Pittsburgh still has stuff to play for because I, I do believe that they are in the uh, wild card. Uh, hunt does that do anything uh, for you or or is no. that just pretty much I mean I mean it's it's nice it's nice to know because when teams have stuff to play for it's easier to project their volume but um but no like it's it's just still still not a compelling offense um we done with Denver Detroit I don't feel the need to to linger on them yeah we are done with Denver Detroit. all right let's move on to Oakland and the Chargers. Uh, this game I think is interesting. Obviously the biggest news from an injury perspective is that Josh Jacobs was ruled out already. I am still tilting that Josh Jacobs was ruled in last week, considering I was against Josh Jacobs in like two season long finals, one of which you and uh, Ricky took me and Davis out when Davis and I like luck boxed all the, all the stupid touchdowns. Uh, your guys team is sick. Would have been nice if Josh Jacobs wasn't available for you. Um, but yeah, so this week DeAndre Washington, is now what is he like 4k yeah so yeah so we're all gonna play a lot of deandre washington now um that's that's going to happen because when we saw him without josh jacobs before we saw a big volume opportunity set um on the charger side of the ball for injuries uh mike williams was limited with a knee injury again wednesday limited practices i'm not too concerned about you know, from a stacking perspective, I find Oakland very difficult to stack because we t- we've talked about this before, but Der- Derek Carr just doesn't have a ton of upside to him. Phillip Rivers is just older Derek Carr, basically. So while I like skill position players in this game, I can't stack it. And, and the Chargers offense is too good in terms of the depth of their players. And... Um, like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get excited about the price tags on Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Like you can play these guys individually, but double stacks with Rivers and you want to double stack with Rivers because, you know, he's he's not going to run are hard to come by. So I think you can play these guys individually, but it's it's kind of a difficult situation for me to stack. I will have a lot of correlated uh, lineups where I have DeAndre Washington on one side and then maybe, you know, a Melvin Gordon or a Keenan Allen or an Austin Eckler on the other side. So so you don't think that, uh, you know, Rivers 5,700, Keenan 6,300 is, is, uh, is doable? I mean, Mike Williams is 5K. On, it is it's Kings. it's doable because they're cheap enough. Yeah. But but it's I don't it's not something that I'm actively like pursuing. Mm-hmm. If I get if I get some I get some, but it's hard. Like the big thing that's been that makes these guys viable um is the fact that Hunter Henry's volume has taken a real hit the last mm-hmm. few weeks. And I don't know how long that's going to hold. Yeah. So, it's just going to be there's too many good players honestly and yeah. I still can't believe the Chargers are bad. Um, I'm, yeah. I kind of like, I kind of 
I kind of just to see what would happen with Leone. I kind of want to see Tyrod Taylor take over things next year and like the Chargers offense explode and, and Leone lose his mind. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's possible, but it's not a, it's not a game I'm super excited for. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, fair, but you are going to get, I'm, I'm assuming DeAndre Washington's going to be, uh, potentially maybe the highest owned player on, on this slate. I, I could be very wrong on this. And it's very early, but he's 4K on DraftKings with with you know lots of volume coming to him. Um, so I would assume that he's going to be one, one of the higher owned plays. Yeah. I uh, wanted he, to ask you about um, Jalen Richard. He's also he's also fi- he's also 5600 on FanDuel. Right. So he's going to be he's I mean it's he's going to be the the chalkiest play on the slate I think the, this yeah. week. Um, Richard on on DraftKings. On you DraftKings. said he's 3500. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like it's. I, I think it's like it's like pretty meh. Um, I, don't, I don't know, so I don't know I if think, he has a tournament. I think conceptually, the leverage makes sense that if Rashard was to have a good game, it would likely be at the expense of DeAndre Washington. Yeah. But I think the likelihood of it happening because because Washington played such a big passing down role last mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Um, just makes it harder. Now it's interesting that Rashard actually played double the snaps. As Washington last game. So it seems like when Jacobs is out there, Richard plays like that pass catching down role. But when Jacobs isn't, Washington was kind of getting those, which is really weird because Jacobs is such a good receiving back. I know. Um, so it's tricky. I don't think, you know, I think it's fine. Um, I don't think I'll have a lot of it and I would definitely not play them together. Yeah. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, only other place for me, Darren Waller, is always going to be interesting. Uh, you know, yeah. with Hunter Renfro out, Waller's just had a huge target share. Tyrell is just not getting enough volume. I mean, I love Tyrell. He scored last week. That was great. But he's just not getting enough volume. And so it's been very frustrating there. Um, let's keep this moving. We've got two more games to cover. Arizona visits Seattle. Any game that Arizona is in, I think we're always interested in potentially attacking. You know, from uh, an injury perspective, no Christian Kirk at practice on Wednesday. I think that's a big deal to monitor, certainly for Arizona's offense. For Seattle, there wasn't too much on the offensive side of the ball. They have some defensive injuries with Jadavian Clowney, Bobby Wagner, Quandry Diggs. Um, those guys were all um, absent from practice on Wednesday, so it's something to pay attention to. But Seattle has the highest total on the slate at 30.3. And their offense, like, you know, you know if they're scoring touchdowns, it's going to be Russ and Carson. I think their offense is always uncomfortable to play because they're so willing to just run the ball over and over and over again. But Russ projects really, really well. Uh, they project for the most plays on the slate at 65. I think he's very difficult to stack in terms of figuring it out because the volume is being spread out between Metcalf, Lockett, Hollister. I think Josh Gordon's suspension does help things a little bit in terms of condensing snaps. Um, I think Russ stacks are very much in play. I think Carson's going to be heavily owned even with this price increase. The challenge for me is I don't know where to come at, come back on it with Arizona. Yeah. And you really you you want somebody to come back with it because if you're saying, hey, Seattle's going to score a bunch of points, but I don't want anyone from Arizona. Well, when that happens with Seattle, they tend to just take the air out of the ball. Yeah. So this game is tricky for me. I, Christian Kirk would be that guy. Mm-hmm. But if he's not healthy – I don't know where to go. I guess it would be Kenyon Drake. I guess that would be the guy, right? After four touchdowns last week, playing it probably into ownership. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Uh, so, yeah, 
I in agreement with you on the Kirk thing. I wanted him to be the guy at, at 5,600 uh, on DK, but obviously landing on the injury report, we will see. Uh, you mentioned Kenyon Drake coming off that big game. I I think that that one makes sense, though. I, there, there could be some carryover ownership there given just the monster game, but he the price tag on him is pretty appropriate, so maybe maybe people are sharp and, and don't have lots of them um, this week. My inclination is, yeah, he's he's certainly not going to be high owned, uh, but maybe he can land on that on that like medium ownership. Um, I think, and you you might disagree with me here, but it might be Larry Fitz, uh, forty two hundred. He's really cheap. He's really cheap. Uh, this could be his last season, um, for sure. And if Christian Kirk just ultimately does not play. Uh, I, I would think Fitz is going to get lots of looks here um, in his last two games, potentially of of his career. So I know it it might be boring, but that that mm. that might be my guy for a really cheap price tag. Yeah, it's it's not pretty though. Um, if Kirk was out, you'd also get more snap opportunities for uh, guys like Demir Bird, who had a decent week last week. Um, and I assume that decent week last week was fueled by that Kirk injury. I'm looking into snap mm-hmm. situations now. No, Kirk played 88% of snaps last week. So Bird just, he only had 34% of snaps, just got targeted heavily. Um, Isabella only played 25% of snaps. They, they just split, they, they share so many roles. So it's kind of difficult. Um, I do like Seattle. I like, I like Russ as a, I think Russ is one of the better cash game quarterbacks on this slate. Oh boy. The price, the, you don't, you don't think so? I absolutely agree, but our boy Davis Maddock um, tends yeah, to I mean, disagree with us here. I mean, that's not a shocker. Davis has been getting Seattle wrong all season long. So um, what's one more week, really, honestly? Um, all right, last game of the week, uh, the biggest game of the week from a playoff perspective, Dallas visiting uh, Philadelphia in what essentially most believe will be the 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 – the decider for the NFC East. Uh, both teams play the bottom feeders in the NFC East in Week 17, so everybody's assuming they'll be able to take care of those. Injury information, the big one here is is Dak Prescott with this AC joint shoulder thing that, that's going on. I am super concerned about this. Okay. Um, they Some of the quotes that were coming out were basically saying that Dak was telling teammates on RPOs that he's definitely not throwing the ball. Last week, uh, they didn't need to, you know, they were playing from so far ahead against the Rams, but it sounds like he's really, really impacted here. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that I'd most want to play this game. If I didn't know anything about the health of the quarterback, I would be excited about playing Dak stacks against the Eagles. Um, I don't know. And so I really want to see and follow the health information as the week goes on. I think Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup would be the guys that you'd most most heavily target. But, you know, the Eagles just give it up every week to, to receivers. So I really, really want to play receivers, but it's hard if I'm not confident in the quarterback's health. And obviously if I play the receivers here, I'm playing Dak because Dak is relatively affordable and he's got that rushing upside still. Um, in terms of Philadelphia – 
Nelson Aguilar still missed practice. Obviously, their you know their wide receiver situation is dire. Um, they've gotten by with it. They've figured it out. Uh, Jordan Howard was limited. I think he still hasn't been cleared to take contact. So I don't know. Like I don't know that he's anywhere close. And I think Miles Sanders has definitely played well enough that he would get the bulk of the work here. I think he's certainly in play because he's shown this huge target share volume with the absence of the wide receivers. They're using him in Boston Scott quite a bit in the receiving game. Um, Chris, what do you think about this game? Like, uh, are you are you as worried about the Dax situation as I am? Dude, I, I can be worried because uh, Jerry Jones said that you know Dak is going to be in top form uh, against the Eagles in weeks of seen. So, dude, if, if Jerry Jones is saying it, you know, I I got to take him for his word, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> like, you might be 100 percent right here, and he's you know he's heavily impacted. Um, it's a legitimate concern. Uh, we spoke about this on the GBP podcast yesterday as well. Like. Early in the week, I, I circled this game as one that, like, I was very interested in from a DFS perspective. Um, from a projection standpoint, though, uh, Drew, some of these receivers on the Cowboys side really aren't popping all, all that well. Um, and, like, I, I, I checked the inputs and everything, and everything just look, looked correct. Um, so it's that's kind of a tough one for me because I don't want to double count the matchup. Obviously, our projections are already taking that into account. I guess Dallas is um, the fact that they have a total of 24 and a half. Like it's just not, it's perhaps not high enough um, for the re- the receivers to to pop enough. Um, but if like the health was there for Dak, I would absolutely be interested there. Even though our projections don't seem to love it, you mentioned uh, the Eagles just serving it up to to wide receivers and quarterbacks seemingly every week. Um, what about an example last week with Dwayne Haskins just absolutely going bananas against them? And it's, it's Dwayne Haskins. Like he's, he's not having a good rookie season and yet he was really successful against them. So, um, that is just one example of the many for, for this, uh, Eagles defense. They've been terrible against wide receivers this year. They are allowing, uh, the second most FanDuel points, um, per game. Uh, as far as DraftKings is concerned, they're they're pretty much third. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's really really bad. Um, so naturally, I will want some exposure to those receivers. Um, I just I think I'm just gonna let things ride and like see what I get and and not like make them pop more than they should. Um, so if I get some, I'm I'm gonna leave that some in the optimizer. Yeah, I. I'm, I'm, this game, I think this game is one of the most important games of the week to figure out. Um, because I do think if Dak is healthy, this game can play to a, a pretty high total in a shootout. And obviously both teams are very motivated. Yeah. Um, so I really am going to pay close attention to, to Dak practice reports and injury reports and whatever news and information, the Schefter bombs, whatever we get, because I would like to play this game the way that I would most like to play it is Dak s- single stacks. Um, they could be fine with double, but single stacks is my preferred route um, because I think even if he's healthy enough to play, I think you might see more running from him than throwing in situations where, um, you know, around the goal line and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, and then brought back with someone like Sanders or Ertz or Greg Ward or Boston Scott. I think those are, are viable options. Um, but I, I really, I need to feel better about the health situation. This total being as low as it is kind of has, has, 
you know, it has me like looking at things a little bit uh, with a with a sketchy uh, side side glare because. I mean, I think Dallas Philadelphia should be closer to like 48, 49 normally, and it's at 46, 46 and a half. And so I think there's just some suggestion there that maybe, maybe this injury for Dak is a big deal, and maybe the Cowboys are going to try to slow this game down considerably. Um, if that's the case, you'll get a bunch of Zeke carries, which are fine, but not, you know, he's, he's pretty expensive. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to pay attention all really closely to this injury report as the week goes on. From a weather angle, by the way, um, in this game, looks like the you know temperatures in the 40s uh, with yeah. very little wind. So yeah. to your point that the total is being affected here, it doesn't seem to be from a weather perspective. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, cold games do score less in general because like field goals and stuff, the ball flies further. So I mean, 40 is is still something that would have some impact, but. I, I'm just I'm skeptical. Sure. Um, all right, Chris. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here and uh, and people uh, get on to making their Week 16 lineups? No, just uh, just trust the the Seahawks run pass, uh, trust their total, and call it a day. Have have a good amount of Seahawks this week. There you go. Keep fading Davis Maddock. Uh, if you want to keep fading Davis Maddock from a, from a betting perspective, Davis Maddock will, uh, have a guest on to pick through the lines on Friday as, as he always does, uh, giving Davis, uh, you know, a ton of grief there, but he's been pretty successful in, uh, the betting competitions the last few years on betting pros and whatnot. Um, so that's a, that's a podcast you should always tune in to on Friday. We'll be back, uh, next week for the, the week 17 flagship edition of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. And as always, if you like what we're doing, please make sure to Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Helps keep us at the forefront of uh, people searching for fantasy football podcasts and helps keep this information free for your ears. So thank you all for listening, and best of luck in Week 16. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.